Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed, where every week we bust the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding and beyond. Now, today, we are really going to bust some myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding and, more specifically, about mastitis. Mastitis is probably not a topic that you want to hear about, but it's a problem that you probably need to hear about. You're going to hope that you never have this problem, but about 25 to 30% of women who breastfeed do get mastitis. So in other words, a quarter to a third or so of, of women do get this condition. And it typically can happen in the first few weeks after birth. Now, that being said, I will tell you, it can happen anytime. It can happen anytime at all during lactation. It can even happen after lactation has finished. But but most times, it's in those first several weeks. Um, Authorities disagree on exactly when, but I would say six weeks Probably most cases are in the first six weeks or so, but most of them uh, are between the six weeks and the 12 weeks mark. So somewhere in those first couple of months. So I really want you to be on the lookout for this, partly because there is good evidence. There are studies that show that many doctors and many nurses actually don't know how to recognize mastitis. And I can most certainly tell you that I didn't learn a tiddly whittly bit about this when I was in nursing school. Now, don't laugh too loud. Don't say, well, Marie, that was back in the dark ages. <laughs> but anyway, um, I, you really have to be your own best advocate here. So today, I'm going to show you how to recognize the signs and symptoms of mastitis so that you can get help when you need it. And I'm going to help you to recognize the signs and symptoms of conditions that aren't mastitis. Now, they may lead to mastitis, or they may be something totally, completely different. So you need to know what's what, and you need to be able to clearly tell those symptoms to your doctor or your primary care provider. I'm going to show you some situations that can make you vulnerable to mastitis, so maybe you can just prevent it in the first place, and empower you to challenge your doctor or the primary health care provider's diagnosis or treatment for whatever it is that's wrong with you. If it doesn't make sense to you, understand, I'm not suggesting that you just be argumentative, but if you've got a basis for questioning the diagnosis or the treatment, I want to help you to be able to do that because so many people just get like the wrong treatment or They get the right treatment, but not for the right amount of time, those sorts of things. And then finally, I'm going to give you some tips for continuing to breastfeed while you have mastitis, because we know with certainty there are studies as well as my clinical observations that really show that mothers 
are pretty eager to wean when they have mastitis. So this is kind of a, um, it's kind of one of those things where you've got to be on the alert. You've got to be awake and aware. All right. So, yeah, it is a, this is documented. It's not just Marie talking, although Marie certainly does talk and has has seen this, but there are multiple studies that show that mastitis is a common reason for weaning, which, by the way, speaking of studies, I'm going to interrupt myself for just a minute here. Um, When I went hunting for studies on mastitis and I didn't even do a thorough hunt, I was able to easily find more than 227 articles on mastitis. So I'm just telling you, there's a lot of information out there, and I'm going to cut through it and give you just the pieces I think will be helpful for you. There is good documentation that shows that women are frequently given inappropriate advice. And (laughs) I got a charge out of this one. In one survey, only five out of 80, so that's like, I don't know what, like 6% or something, of nursing students knew the proper management of mastitis. And I'm actually, I would say it's probably even less than that in my experience. So it's really important to understand this. Now, mastitis can be either infectious or inflammatory. It's it's in the breast. It's, it's, It's a ductal issue. I don't really know that it's worth splitting hairs over what to call it. But it can also be acute or it can be chronic. That is, it can be for the moment or it can be ongoing. It is a medical diagnosis, however. So in one breath, I want to say to you, I know what I'm talking about here. I I really got this. In another breath, I want to say to you, I am not a physician. I am not qualified to diagnose your condition. So if you feel like somebody other than an MD is trying to diagnose you, I would say, listen to what they have to say, but recognize that they are not empowered to actually, like legally empowered to make that diagnosis. And I've seen some people that just shoot off their mouth. You know, they say, oh, so-and-so has mastitis. Well, yeah, no, she actually didn't. So be careful with that, too. All right. So you can have mastitis as early as about two weeks postpartum. Again, this is not only research. It is also my clinical experience. And as I said, uh, some 25 to 30 percent of lactating women get it, and there's good evidence for that. The most common occurrence is somewhere between um, the 6th and the 12th week. And again, that's science, but it squares with my uh, personal observations. I always kind of like it when the science backs me up. Okay, so let's look at what happens with mastitis. That is, for one reason or another, The milk is not coming out of the breasts, and so the breasts have what we call pathologic engorgement, okay? It's this backup, this milk standing still. It is not being moved in the breast, and so you might have breasts that are rock hard, and I'm talking rock hard, I mean like two hunks of concrete on the front of your chest, 
That in and of itself is not mastitis, but it really can lead to mastitis. So if you feel like you have got these two concrete blocks on the front of your chest, you need to beware. You need to not panic and you don't need to self-diagnose. Geez, I hate it when people do that. But it is a possibility. So just be alert. That can lead then to mastitis, which is our topic for today. And then you can have complications. One of the possible complications is an abscess. I'll talk a little bit about that as we get to the end of the show. So there are a number of things that do contribute to the development of mastitis. Now, notice I was careful there. I'm not going to go so far as to say these are causes. Sometimes we don't know what's a cause and what's an effect. What's a cause? What's a consequence? What's a coincidence? For example, here's a big one that I have seen over the years is fatigue. But in all the studies that I have read, and I've read a lot of them, nobody has ever really been able to nail down whether women become overly fatigued and so they develop mastitis, or is it that they develop mastitis, which is an infectious process, and so then, hello, there's fatigued. So we don't really know, this is like a chicken and egg thing, we don't really know what causes what. But clearly, the fatigue is a problem. Stress goes along with fatigue, and it also is in the neighborhood of, hmm, so did she get stressed and so she got mastitis? Well, don't know. Uh, But that's a distinct possibility. One thing I kind of want to help you to understand, though, is that painful, cracked nipples are absolutely a precursor. A precursor might be too strong of a word, but it sets you up for the possible development of mastitis. Have I seen women who have cracked nipples and never have mastitis? Absolutely. So don't feel like you're doomed here, but you do have to be careful. Uh, Any time that the milk is standing still and it is not being moved, that is not good. Okay, next one is what I guess I would loosely call mechanical issues. And mechanical constriction is the very first one and the one that I would say is very common. You might have on some tight piece of clothing, for example underwire bra. And I know what you're saying. You're saying, oh, Marie, I love my underwire bra. I don't really believe so-and-so has an underwire bra and she never gets mastitis. Okay, that's really good. If you can get your underwire bra to be well-fitting, then I would agree with you. It's probably not a problem. But in my experience, an awful lot of gals who have the underwire bras do not have a good fit. And so they end up with I mean, you can see it. You can see right where the underwire cut into their skin. And that's a setup for mastitis. So be very careful with that. If you're going to wear the underwire bra, make sure that you get it professionally fitted. Now, here's one you might not have thought of. And that is upper extremity. That is your arm with repetitive motion. 
It might be if you're constantly lifting things. So maybe you're moving your home and you've got boxes and you've been spending all day moving and moving and moving those boxes, lifting and lifting and lifting. But it could be something as simple as just clapping. So maybe you went to your kid's uh, dance recital and there was clapping and clapping and clapping. Uh, Oh, better yet, you uh, went to a play and everybody was asking for more of the uh, actors to come out or a recital where you were asking for an encore with clapping. Even that could do it. Uh, Bruising or trauma to the breasts. And I'm not necessarily talking about abusive stuff here, although certainly that would be horrific, but it might be something as simple as uh, seatbelts. Watch where your seatbelt is and if it's too tight. Carrying a heavy, heavy diaper bag is a very common offender. Carrying a heavy briefcase could be another possibility. Oh, here's another one. If you are a mail carrier, watch that strap that goes either on your shoulders or across your breasts. Any or all of those things could be possibilities. And then finally, milk removal issues. If you are overly distended, you've missed feedings, you have an oversupply of milk or a high volume, like for instance, maybe you have twins, that might be a problem. Or if you do abrupt weaning. Okay, on the other side of the break, I'm going to talk more about mastitis and some possible risk factors. Don't go away. We'll be right back after this short break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894. And ask for your bulk discount. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. 
Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Born to be Breastfed. I'm Marie Biancuzzo, and we're talking about mastitis today. Um, Two other things that I forgot to mention to you are what I would loosely call anatomical variations. So, for example, if you've got extra mammary tissue, and if you do, you probably know who you are, uh, that could also be uh, a possibility. It kind of increases your risk for mastitis. And here's something that really, really like sort of surprised me when it came out in a really well done study by Foxman many years ago. But man, it was just a landmark study. Very, very well done. She had, I think, either 943 or 946 subjects, something like that. And she showed that women who were on their second or third or fourth baby were more likely to experience mastitis than women who were having their first baby. And I thought, all right, so how does that make sense? And then I just thought about it for a minute, and I thought, well, yeah, because typically they have more milk. And the other thing is, what are you doing when you've got a tiny baby and then you've got a toddler? You're chasing around the toddler. You keep telling yourself that you'll breastfeed in a few minutes. You'll breastfeed after you answer the doorbell. You'll breastfeed after you whatever. But you got these two kids, and so you put it off. And I believe that that explains why women who are on their second or third or fourth baby are more likely to experience mastitis because they get these, they got two kids to take care of, basically, or three kids or however many. All right. So anyway... Uh, And I think I just mentioned a great volume of milk. So some women just have an oversupply. Some women have a lot of milk because they have twins or triplets or something. But but those things, and you know what? If you have a lot of milk, that's actually sort of a good thing, all right? Uh, And if you get some professional help, you can help to downregulate that. But but then there are people that don't think they got enough milk. So, all right. So we know that it's an infection of the mammary gland, and it happens when the the milk is not adequately removed from the breast. So what's the moral of the story? Make sure you have good removal of the milk. In all the years that I've been doing this, I got to tell you, 
some people think the baby is getting good, good feed, but they are not. And I could just talk for hours and hours. Shoot, I could be here till next week telling you how mothers think that the baby is getting a good feed just because of the amount of minutes that he's on the breast. But that is just totally not true. Okay. Actually, you've got to make sure that that baby is getting the milk, he's swallowing the milk, he's gaining weight, he's got good output, and you feel like your breasts are softer and emptier when the baby is finished. And if if all of those things aren't lining up, I just gave you the sort of the short story there. Uh, you might really wonder if maybe you have got milk left over in the breast, and if so, it can accumulate, and that is uh, setting you up for mastitis. Okay, so let's talk about those signs and symptoms that I promised you we'd talk about. I have seen women who get what I would call a sudden onset of signs and symptoms of mastitis, They go to bed at 10 o'clock in the evening, they're fine and dandy, and at 2 o'clock in the morning, they wake up with this awful fever and these aches and pains and feel uh, how many women have said, I never felt worse in my life, I felt like I had the flu, I felt like a truck ran over me, all of these kinds of things. For other people, though, it does not come on suddenly, it comes on very gradually, So please don't think that you've got to have either a sudden onset or a gradual onset because everybody's a little bit different. And what about the severity of those symptoms? Well, I would say that in most cases they are pretty easily identifiable, but I would also say that they can be subtle, they can be ambiguous, And I would say that sometimes the symptoms are totally absent. You're like, huh? Yeah, that's called subclinical mastitis. And I don't know if we're going to get time to talk about that today. But it is absolutely possible that you have got an infection in your breast that you do not have symptoms for. It is absolutely possible. And by the way, sometimes you've got a decrease in your milk supply with that. Sometimes you don't. I would say, however, that that is certainly one of the things that you might find. So let's say that you've got mastitis in your right breast. You may find that you have got much less milk volume in your right breast. Will that continue forever? No. Once you get the mastitis cleaned up, yeah, it'll take you a few days, but you'll be able to get back up to speed. So you've got probably these flu-like symptoms. I'm giving you sort of the, um, how should I say, the typical signs and symptoms. It doesn't mean that everybody's like this. Chills, fever, achiness, headache, just feeling blah, any of those kinds of things. Uh, There's a red area, and it will look real hot and hard and tender and swollen and you will feel miserable in that area. Mastitis, listen carefully, mastitis is almost always on just one side. It is possible. It is absolutely possible. And I've I've seen it where you have it on both breasts, but it is highly unlikely. All right? So most times... It's going to be in one breast. And I'll tell you another thing. 
it's almost always in that upper outer quadrant, meaning, okay, I'm holding up my arm here. Um, It's right there kind of like where the edge of your bra is towards your armpit. That is is a common place. It certainly can be anywhere. And if you've got your underwire bra cutting into you, well, then no, it's going to be in a different place. It's going to be down where that underwire is. But that's a common place. Uh, And a lot of mothers will describe this as a real deep aching in the breast. Now, here's another thing. Not only are you likely to have a low milk supply in that breast, you might, and this is a big might, you might have kind of a stringy or clumpy looking milk. And some people don't ever get that with mastitis, but some people do. So don't be alarmed if you get it, all right? It looks a little bit like uh, string cheese. i got to tell you, radio show really forces me to think through <laughs> giving a visual here. But it, it does. It looks a little bit like string cheese. And then you're going to ask me, so is it okay if I express that milk and give it to the baby? Sure. I will tell you, though, it would be easier if you would just put the baby on the breast if you can stand it. Because if that stringy milk comes out, you can put it in a bottle, but then how are you going to give it to the baby? Excuse me, how are you going to get it to go through the nipple to give to the baby because it's probably going to be too thicky and too stringy to go through the hole in the nipple. So if that happens, here's my tip. You can uh, strain the milk, and it's no big deal. Just take a little strainer like you would, I don't know, strain anything else, food, you know, with. And you can use some cheesecloth if you happen to have that. But honestly, I would just use a paper towel, and that will probably do the job. And then you can put the milk in the bottle, give it to the baby, it'll go through the nipple. But don't feel like it is harmful. It is not harmful. The only way in which it's going to be harmful, I'm not even going to go there right now because it's possible, but it's very highly unlikely. Okay, so let's talk about what are some things that sort of, put you at higher risk for developing mastitis. Well, I already talked about one, which is pathologic engorgement and poor latch or poor milk transfer. So if you are not completely emptying the breast, then yes, you're going to set yourself up for a possible plugged duct. And if you have a plugged duct, I'll talk about that in a minute, it can lead to mastitis. Now, the plugged duct is more of a hot spot. And I usually encourage mothers that if they find a hot spot, a pink spot, and I'm thinking it's less than a dime size maybe, that could be your plugged duct. If it starts to feel warm, be careful. And if you can, the best pump in the world is the baby. You've heard me say that on this show before. If the baby can empty out the milk and if you can sort of massage that out with your hand or your thumb, that would be really good. You want to massage it, obviously, towards the nipple. That would be good. I talked about pain or cracks in your nipples. Uh, 
reduced sleep is probably a problem. So I would encourage you to get more sleep. That would be helpful. Uh, The reason you've probably got cracked nipples is that the baby is not latching on well. So I would strongly encourage you to get professional help. Now, there is one study that said use of a hand-operated pump. Um, I don't know. I'm not real... I'm not real convinced of that. I've seen women who've used hand pumps for days or weeks or years and they never get mastitis. So I don't know about that. It, keep your eye open, I guess, is what I'm saying. And then finally, also, a history of having had mastitis. This is not good. Very often, people who get mastitis get mastitis again. That's recurrent. And I'm going to talk to you about treatments on the other side of the break. But in my opinion, it might be because you haven't had the right treatment or you have had the right treatment not not for long enough. So that could be part of that. All right, everybody, don't go away. We'll be right back after this short break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894. And ask for your bulk discount. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. 
You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. If you have questions for me about this show or any other show, please email me at radio at born to be breastfed.com. And that is born to be breastfed radio, <laughs> radio at born to be breastfed.com. I do want to warn you, though, I don't mind seeing or responding to people's questions, but I will tell you this I will not give medical advice. I'm not authorized legally to do that. So I can. I can sort of help you to understand what's typical or what the research says or what my clinical experience says, but I cannot give you advice specific to you. Hope that makes sense. Okay, so you really got to get to this early recognition stuff, and I want to help you to be really able to articulate your symptoms. Why so? Because... Research has shown that most cases of mastitis are diagnosed over the phone and they are pres- a prescription then emanates from that phone call. So the better that you can describe your symptoms, the better shot your doctor or healthcare provider has at being able to recognize that this is what's going on and then to treat you or not treat you depending on what you're saying. Okay, so be sure to tell them it's in one breast or it's in two breasts, it's red or it's pink or it's I have a fever or I don't have a fever. All of those kinds of things that we've talked about so far. Uh, What to report is really important. And guess what? I am going to provide for you a summary on that. So be sure to visit me at moribiancuso.com. That's moribiancuso.com. All right. I mentioned earlier that sometimes you can be misdiagnosed. I would say that people sometimes get a diagnosis of mastitis when, in fact, they have a pathologic engorgement. Sometimes they're diagnosed with mastitis when they have a plugged duct or they have other, quote, red things on their breast. Well, red, red things are not necessarily mastitis. So try to describe the color the location of what you're seeing, what shape is it? Like, is it a wedge-shaped? That, to me, would really raise my uh, ears. And any other symptoms and the pain, the fever, all of that, I would say, is really, really important. Uh, Sometimes people will think that the redness is candidiasis, but personally, I don't think that is yeast, excuse me, yeast. I personally do not think that mastitis looks like yeast at all. So to me, a big clue is the location. Yeast is almost always on the nipple and maybe your areola, but it's not going to be in these other places. It's just, I suppose it's possible, but it's highly unlikely. I, I'm always reluctant to say never, but but highly unlikely. All right, so what are we going to do to help you out here? 
we are going to help you to make sure you get your breast emptied. Now, I hate that word because we know that your breast is never truly empty. It's like you're you're never out of tears. Uh, you're never out of urine, whatever it is. There's always a few drops more somewhere, but uh, to be a thorough removal. And make sure that you are on the right treatment in order to treat the causative organism. Almost always, the germ that is causing it is staph. But remember, we all have staph on our skin. It's a matter of the overgrowth. But that being said, there are other organisms, other germs that can uh, cause the mastitis. So... You might have been prescribed a medication that doesn't cover those kinds of germs. You do need to increase your fluids, not because it's going to make more milk, but because if you have an infection, you need to increase fluids in your body to kind of flush it out. Good nutrition is always good. Try to control your pain. Okay, so if you regularly, regularly, whatever that is, uh, if if you would not hesitate to take a Tylenol or an ibuprofen, Motrin, Advil, whatever brand you like, um, that can help with your pain. And you've really got to be aware that you don't want this to start again. I will tell you what Dr. Marianne Neifert has always said, and I cannot find the reference for this, but I know that Dr. Marianne Neifert, who is commonly known as Dr. Mom, uh, Marianne, if you're out there, I'm sorry, I can't exactly pinpoint where you said this, but I know you've said it many times, heat, rest, empty, breast. And I will repeat that. Heat, rest, empty, breast. And the moist heat, uh, I think, does a good job with that. Bed rest is helpful. It's okay to take a shower or use the bathroom and feed the baby, but pretty much that's about it. And I think that you'll find that this is not tough to to do because you're going to feel so rotten that you'll be only too happy to just stay in bed. So make sure that you get the milk out of the breast. And by the way, I am not a fan of pumping in this situation. I guess you can pump if you don't have a better idea, but pumping can be very painful. If your breasts are seriously engorged, you may find, first of all, if you can do the baby, that's the best. But you may find that expressing milk by hand is a better idea. And by the way, be sure, <laughs> little advertisement here, be sure that you see my show, hear my show on hand expression. I'm going to uh, hold that out to you and say, follow up with that because that's going to be a hugely important skill for you, even if you don't think it's important. I'm telling you, it is important. Um. Feed the baby, massage the breasts both before and during the feeding. That increases your ability to actually remove the milk. There is no reason why the baby can't suckle from the affected breast, okay? Just saying. Because I've seen so many times that mothers come to me and they say, oh, well, no, so-and-so told me that if I've got mastitis, I shouldn't breastfeed on that side. Yes, you should. 
if you leave the milk in there, it's just going to get worse. I would also say that I've seen mothers ask me, oh, just I just want to wean the baby now. I've had this before. I'm so sick of having this. I, no, I'm just going cold turkey. And then I have to do my little song and dance to tell them, no, going cold turkey is the last thing, the worst thing to do because it's just going to inflate a bad situation. Okay, so did I mention food and fluids? Yes, food and fluids. Do that. I I also want to tell you that there's some anecdotal evidence, I guess, that vitamin C helps. I don't really know if that's true or not. What I would say is that vitamin C is a water-soluble vitamin, which means that if you take in too much of it, it will just be excreted through your urine. But I would also tell you that if you take too much vitamin C, you can also get diarrhea. So don't don't pour it on too much here. But uh, I have not seen a study out there, but I do believe that vitamin C is helpful for people that have infections. In fact, actually, it's probably why I haven't seen it, because it's probably related to infections in general, not to infectious mastitis. Okay, so... What about antibiotic therapy? Oh, brother, this is like this big, um, it's a controversy, and I do not have the answer. Some studies and some experts will say, don't start the antibiotic therapy unless the mother develops a fever and flu-like symptoms. Others will say, no, you should get the antibiotics going as soon as possible. I will read you a quote from Janahar and colleagues who say, quote, there is insufficient evidence to confirm or refute the effectiveness of antibiotic therapy for treatment of lactational mastitis, unquote. I want to be very clear with you. Do not go around and say, oh, Marie Biancuso says that I don't need this, because probably nobody cares what I say anyway. But I think I have seen that, I have read that more than once, and I think that the jury is really still out on whether or not the antibiotics are needed, and if so, at what point. I will give you some common examples of drugs that I have seen used for mastitis. Dicloxacillin is usually the big one. Vancomycin is another one. Clindamycin, if you have a MRSA infection, actually the vancomycin as well. Um, Keflex, ampicillin, augmentin. Let's see, that's what, six? I would say that if you have a mastitis, there's a high, high likelihood that you will be prescribed one of those six medications. Now, sure, every doctor has his own favorite thing, but it's probably going to be something like that. And I want you to understand that for any of those six drugs, they do not interfere with breastfeeding. They're uh, not something that you need to worry about. If I take this, it's bad for the baby. We don't have any evidence that it's, quote, bad for the baby. So, In one breath, I want to say it's not up to me to make that determination. In another sense, I want to say, I think if the the evidence were out there, I think I would have seen it by now. Um, The real kicker here is how much you need to have. 
And the Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine, which I consider to be absolutely the last word on all these things, um, these guys say, and I'm looking for it right now, um, I am desperately looking for this here, but I'm pretty sure that they said 500 mgs, 500 milligrams uh, a day. What they did not say was how many days. When we go to break, I will look for this exact quote. I thought I put it in yellow on the computer, but apparently it's not showing right now. So they kind of say experts will argue for a 10 or a 14-day round. I would say there is not evidence that I'm aware of for that, but I would say in clinical experience, yes. If you are getting less than 10 days of the antibiotic, that's concerning. Another thing that would be concerning for me is if you are not better in 24 to 48 hours, you have to wonder if you are on the correct antibiotic, meaning these antibiotics will cover one type of germ and they are presuming that that's the kind of germ that you have because that's what most people have. But if you have something else, it may not be covering it. So that would definitely be something that you would want to report to your doctor or to your healthcare provider. All right. So don't go away. We're going to wrap up in this next section, hopefully give you everything you need in order to empower yourself to get the help you need. I'm Marie Biancuzzo. Don't go away. We'll be right back after this short break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894. And ask for your bulk discount. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. 
What's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom at my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash gooddonor. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for the keywords voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for voice America. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. Welcome back to Born to be Breastfed, where every week we bust the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding and beyond. And so I really want to finish up this show today where I'm talking about how to get help for yourself for mastitis. And I found what the Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine says, and I want you to hear this. I'm going to give you a direct quote. This is from their protocol on mastitis management it's you know like five pages long or something but it says if symptoms of mastitis are mild and have been present for less than 24 hours conservative management parenthesis effective milk removal and supportive measures on parenthesis may be sufficient if symptoms are not improving within 12 to 24 hours or if the woman is acutely ill antibiotics should be started and they give a reference for that this is what they say about the penicillins. And of course, there there's more than one penicillin, but they call out the dicloxacillin or the flucoxacillin, and they specifically say 500 milligrams by mouth four times per day. And then they give some details for and against that. But then a couple of paragraphs down, they say, and I quote, Many authorities recommend a 10 to 14 day course of antibiotics, and they give uh, studies to support that. However, this recommendation has not been subjected to controlled trials. And that's why I wanted to quote them rather than just tell you off the top of my head, because I think that it's really important for you to understand that the we don't always know exactly what's what. But in my experience, anything less than a 10-day round is really, you can frequently see people just have a recurrent mastitis after that. So there's a part of you that's asking yourself, yes, yeah, so Marie, like, what about if I just tough it out and I just, like, just plow through this and I just get to the other side of it? Would that be so bad? Uh, it could be, yeah. Because if you don't have your, if your mastitis really gets you in trouble, it is a serious 
infection, or at least it can be. I'm trying to couch my words carefully here. Uh, you could end up with an abscess. Um, abscesses are not good. I don't want to go into abscesses today, but I just want to tell you that abscesses can be very severe. And also, with an abscess, what I see is that some people think that they're going to have to have a fever if they have an abscess. And that's just not always true. But trust me, you could spend months getting over an abscess and it can rupture into the ducts and it can it can really mess you up really bad. And that's pretty much all I want to say about that because that's not my topic today. Uh, but you do really need to look at whether or not you're getting better, uh, whether or not you need to get extra help because uh, you should be getting better with the antibiotic therapy and um, if not, well, that's sort of not a good thing. I also want to mention to you uh, that sometimes what I've seen is that people who have mastitis have, okay, okay it's, it's actually the other direction. People who have a um, galactoseal sometimes get diagnosed as having mastitis. Those are two entirely different things, Okay. They can both happen during last during lactation, but they're basically um, different. And I've also seen that people who have an abscess are sometimes diagnosed as having cellulitis, and those are also two different things. So you're saying to me, geez, Marie, like I'm not a diagnostician here. I really trust in my doctor to be able to diagnose that. And I'm saying, right, good. I, I want to help you to have confidence in your doctor, but I also want to help you to understand that sometimes this stuff is not always real easy to recognize, especially those that are subtle or those that come on gradually. And if you are diagnosed over the phone, I cannot tell you how difficult it is for me, and I'm pretty experienced, to get a good explanation and description out of a mother. I know all the right questions to ask, but without being able to see a condition, it's really kind of a blinger, you know? So be sure that you try to... uh, Explain and describe those things as well as you possibly can. Know when to follow up. And do not feel badly to make that phone call again and say, hey, look, you know, I'm not any better. It is okay to question things, not in a, um, you know, argumentative mode, but rather just in the mode of really trying to stand up for yourself, get the help you need. Get back on track and whatever you do, whatever you do, don't stop breastfeeding the baby because you have mastitis. It is absolutely possible. It is desirable for you to continue breastfeeding. That's the whole idea. So that's as much as I have to say about mastitis today, but I do want to remind you to go to MarieBiancuso.com. That is MarieBiancuso.com. And I've got something there for you that I think will be helpful. So, uh, in the meanwhile, before we we sign off, I'd just like to thank all of you for being present, and I'd like to invite you back next week to listen to Born to be Breastfed. 
Now, if you're interested in books or media that has been, been mentioned on other shows, please visit my website. We will be featuring materials there. And also, be sure to visit my Facebook page. Leave a comment there. That would be really, really helpful. If you like us, please like us. <laughs> and if you're a professional and if you're looking for continuing education about breastfeeding and lactation, remember, I'm your source for evidence-based practice and education on the web and sometimes in your city. My courses and tons of resources and my blog and much more are all at my professional website, and that's breastfeedingoutlook.com. Again, that's breastfeedingoutlook.com. I'm Marie Biancuto. I promise I'll help you to cut through the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding next Monday, same time, same channel. In the meanwhile, remember, your baby was born to be breastfed. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuzo next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do what's best for you and your baby. 